Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us on one of the radio stations around the country, or maybe you're watching on YouTube, iTunes, or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Wherever you are, thanks for being with us. Today we have a special show for you. We're going to talk about the lodging industry 2017. So we'll look at what's going on with the lodging industry, with the hotels, what, what's happened with RevPAR and, and performance and cap rates and things. We're also going to look ahead to 2017 to see what we might expect moving forward. Please welcome my guest. It's Mark Woodworth. He's Senior Managing Director. He's also Head of Lodging Research for CBRE Hotels. Thanks for being with us here in Studio Michael, One. Michael, thanks for having me. Before we get started, make sure yeah. you don't have any Russian ties in your background. I do, I do not. That's been in the news a lot lately, so I, I thought I'd get that out I of the way early. Not that I can say on air. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to ask the FBI if I have anything going on. So, First of all, Mark, I uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, I've had you on the show before uh, many times and always enjoyed it. Love hearing you speak at events as well. And so what happened in uh, 2016 and the hotel industry and lodging? Well, uh, a lot happened in the, at the risk of sounding like Johnny OneNote because, as you say, I've been fortunate to be with you mm-hmm. a number of times over the years. And But it was yet another good year. Um, uh, the typical hotel uh, saw a lift in both occupancy and average daily rates and therefore overall revenue per available room or rev par. Yeah, it was a good year. It was not as great as we've seen back in 2015 and 14. Uh, but again, as we've reached really the peak of the cycle, uh, that's what we would expect. So now uh, operators have become much more focused on uh, pushing prices whenever they can as opposed to trying to sell more and more inventory because again, given the seasonality of lodging, that there's, a, as a practical matter, there's a, there's a limit to just how high can you get that occupancy level. And, and conceptually, we've been operating that now for a while and, and we think we'll continue to stay there. So it's not as good as 15, so that means that the numbers went down or the growth wasn't as strong? Uh, the latter, the growth okay. was, was not quite as strong. And, okay. and again, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, from a top line perspective, right. yeah, the revenues and, and so forth. Right. So is this across the board for all types of hotels or were there some differences in performance? Uh, there were some slight differences, but again, we're, we're at that, uh, it's, we're in the very mature phase of the current cycle. And so virtually uh, uh, all property types, whether you think of luxury, upper upscale, all the way through economy uh, hotels, uh, have had a very, very good year. And, and in fact, the variation between each of them, uh, uh, it really hasn't been that great. The one category of uh, hotel property type uh, that has been growing noticeably more than the others are independents, uh, ind- independent properties, which is a very broad category because uh, we're all familiar with the Hiltons and the Marriotts and the Hyatts and, and uh, Starwood properties and so forth. But you have independent hotels ranging for you know, us here in the southeast. You have the Cloister, okay, and then you have uh, Michael Bull's Motel up on Highway 41 North. The Dew Drop Inn. It's something like Dew Drop Inn, <laughs> right? So, so it's a very, it's a hodgepodge of property types. Mm-hmm. But as a group overall, uh, uh, one of the ways we think about it is, is they've been playing catch up. You know, they kind of lagged everybody else in terms of uh, the strength of their recovery. And so, we're, again, that's typically what we would expect to see in this very mature point in the, in the current cycle. Okay, so if we're at the mature, we're at the, what you seem to be saying is the top. What are the numbers for occupancy and rev par, and how does it uh, compare to, say, historical numbers? Okay. Uh, from an occupancy perspective, uh, in 2015, uh, according to uh, STR, Smith Travel Research, uh, domestic hotels achieved an all-time record high occupancy. 
uh, and they've been tracking the data going back to the mid-1980s. Uh, the final year-end 2016 data is not yet available. What we're expecting to see is either occupancy being flat year over year, so i.e. we stayed at that record point, uh, that record level, or it may even have gone up slightly. And what yeah. is that number? Uh, i got to refer to my notes there. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, just under 65.5%. Okay. So somewhere right, right in that range. The long run average, if we want to kind of view it that way, yeah. uh, that's running at about 62%. Okay. So we're, 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 there's a big cushion now where the industry is overall uh, relative to what, what you consider to be average behavior. Okay. And what about RevPAR? Uh, RevPAR, and to put this in perspective, uh, if we go back to 2014, again, this is the national the national number, revenue per available room went up 8.2%. That was two years ago. Uh, in 2015, it was went up 6.2. Uh, we're estimating last year, uh, it finished up at about 3.2, 3.3, somewhere in that range. Uh, and that number for this year, uh, and we're still, we're getting ready to update all these data and so forth. And, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure at some point, talk a little bit about uh, you know, the election results and how that might show up in, in a change in, in our thinking uh, as far as the industry going forward. But uh, that the number for this year currently, is we're holding at right about 3, 3.1. I see. So that's still growth. Uh, still. Oh, and I'm sorry, and to put that in perspective, yeah. the long run average RevPAR yeah. change is about 3, 3.1. Yeah. So, so again, we've been going at a 2, 3 multiple of the average for a while now, but now we're getting back to average. So if the growth, income growth, has been kind of slowing. Uh, why is that? Is that from new supply or? It's, it's, a, it's a combination of uh, new supply, and there's no question the answer begins with that. Um, um, uh, we're seeing that the number of new hotel openings continues to accelerate. Uh, in 2017, we believe that the net change in available supply nationally is going to be right at the long run average of about 1.8, 1.9%. We've been lagging well below that for the last six or seven years. Okay. Um, so it's been, so on the supply side where the developers are finally figuring out a way to get their deals done and, and, and so and it, nationally we're back to long, we'll, we'll be back to the long run average. There's a handful of markets, uh, New York, Houston, Pittsburgh, you know, a broad array of markets that have seen a significant number of new hotels open up over the last two or three years and, and by anyone's measure, you'd comfortably say they're oversupplied today. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned developers figuring a way to get these deals done. What is financing like for the hotel industry today? Um, still not easy. Uh, I think in, in relative terms, if we think back some of the cycles that you and I kind of grew up around and so forth, uh, I think, I, think uh, like I suspect we're seeing in other property types, uh, developers considered to be relatively expensive. Uh, they can't borrow as much as they'd like, and but they can borrow. It's They're paying a little more for it and so forth. Uh, but I, I think uh, it hasn't been long enough that lenders have kind of forgotten about the last cycle. So I think that, again, on the, on the debt side, they're being, continue to be very, very cautious. And to go back to the previous question, uh, and, and this affects the development question as well, there is the, the, the sharing economy issue, mm-hmm. or as, as most people are, 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 are familiar with, you know, the Airbnb. There's a lot of other players in that space, but they're most well known. Well, you know, when we look about the supply of lodging all options in a market, i.e. not just traditional hotel rooms, uh, we're seeing some markets where that, that Airbnb or sharing economy inventory uh, has grown and has been growing significantly. So that's just another factor 
that lenders, developers, investors overall have to get comfortable with what does that really mean in terms of what should I expect my income to be in this market, in this property going forward, giving not just the new traditional hotel construction activity, but the fact that we've got all this other inventory that's yeah, in the Yeah, and that would seem like that inventory would be harder to track, right? How do you, how do you, if you're going to develop a hotel or buy a hotel, how do you look at that impact moving forward? Well, you could go to our website and get a report, but, <laughs> okay. uh, but, but um, uh, I have a, perhaps a better answer than that, and that is um, uh, we work very closely with a company called AirDNA, uh, and they uh, scrape uh, Airbnb's website, and I believe they're getting ready to start doing other firms as well. So at least from a supply perspective, uh, an investor can get a pretty good handle on what that inventory is. I mean, how much, what does it look like? I mean, is it, is it sleeping on Michael Bull's couch? Is it a whole home unit with two or three bedrooms and no well, one else? That'd be crowded because I'm usually on the couch. I'm usually okay. <laughs> so probably really expensive to sleep on your couch. <laughs> That's right. But uh, uh, so so on the supply side, there's actually a wealth of information. Yeah. I don't know much today, Michael. You want to get into this this uh, sharing economy thing? But one of the more interesting aspects of it, from a from a hotelier's perspective, is uh, you, know, you you build that 300 room Hilton and it's probably gonna be there 24 seven, 365 days a year for the next 40 years, mm-hmm. okay? When we talk about the sharing economy and that, that, that extra room, that apartment, that condo, that home, um, it could be there all year. It could be there just yeah, for the week change. The week that the Pope's showing up. That right? could and, change. And, and so, all right, so, when so, I wanna get into the future, your forecast, so stay with us. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us, we'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're discussing Lodging Industry 2017. My guest is Mark Woodworth. He's Senior Managing Director, Head of Lodging Research with CBRE Hotels. And Mark, let's talk about what you expect moving forward. One of the things that's concerning people in real estate of all types, but let's talk about hotels today, is the impact of rising interest rates on cap rates moving forward. What do you expect? Uh, well, the expectation there, and I have the benefit of uh, one of your former guests, Jack Hordswell, my colleague, uh, recently did a uh, uh, put together a paper that was published in one of the journals, and where he took a long term and uh, did a long term analysis of uh, the impact in, uh, of, of rising interest rates on hotel cap rates. The short of it is, uh, what Jack determined is for every 100 basis point lift in interest rates. Historically, we've seen about a 25, 28 basis point increase in hotel cap rates. So as we've seen since uh, the election, you know, 10-year treasuries have gone up, I think, 65 to 85 basis points. Uh, a lot of the prognosticators that do interest rate forecasting you know, have that going up maybe another 20, 25% over the next four to eight quarters. Uh, so a lot of it seems to have already occurred. But um, So it, cap rates will be going up. But again, I think the fundamentals of the lodging industry are so favorable in the vast majority of markets that, uh, that investors are looking at uh, what, what, for the first time in my career, I characterize as a very durable income stream. Yeah. 
Okay, there's not a lot of threats to the profitability. Uh, there's one that maybe we want to get to in a minute, but but overall, you know, the top line should be good going forward. Um, uh, the expenses, there are some issues there, but overall, profitability should remain attractive. And and as an investment. Uh, 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 vehicle hotels should continue to be very very good. Yeah, so that's pretty strong. So that's roughly twenty five percent. So if a, if the interest rate went up a hundred basis points, then your cap rates uh, only changing uh, by yeah. So so two, this, this won't be far off. But, but if the, if the hypothetical average hotel cap rate was eight percent last year, mm-hmm. uh, it would suggest well maybe that moves up to eight and a quarter yeah. solely because of holding everything else constant. Yeah. Uh, what's going on on, on interest yeah. rates. So then the question becomes, well, what do we expect moving forward for income, right? So what are you guys projecting for 2017 performance? Uh, another good year from a RevPAR perspective. Uh, it's going to be uh, right at the long run average uh, level, just uh, right around three, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, that's going to be almost all rate, room rate driven, i.e. occupancies are not expected to go up. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, I'm getting more revenue without having to sell more units, which, which in, in essence, in and of itself, makes that uh, more of that incremental revenue is going to flow right through the bottom line. Right. Uh, one of the concerns we have, and you can argue it's perhaps the greatest concern today, is the largest single cost category in running a hotel is labor and related expenses. Uh, we've seen very significant increases year over year for the last two years in that one category. I say significant. The average hotel, it's 43, 45% of all expenses needed to open your doors labor. are labor and related. So we've seen significant increases that. Uh, interesting enough, the last uh, three or four years, a lot of it has been the, uh, not so much the salary and wages, but it's the, the benefit side. Hmm. Last year was the first time that we've seen really the salary and wages grow more year over year than did the benefits uh, component. Okay. Uh, so, so, so there's been a lot of pressure on the biggest single cost category in running a hotel. Uh, lots of questions. I'm sure it doesn't matter what property type you're in, but you know what's going to happen with uh, immigration policies going forward. Mm-hmm. That's particularly uh, important to our industry uh, because historically, leisure and hospitality has been a large employer of lower skilled. Uh, labor, mm-hmm. uh, and there's been so much pressure uh, on on that. Meaning the, the supply of labor in that category continues to shrink, uh, and uh, so immigration historically has been a good source of new labor uh, to to fill these jobs and so forth. How so, about yeah. the increase in the minimum wage? Might that impact hospitality moving forward? Uh, absolutely, and it's already begun in, in the markets that have have experienced that, and it's, and it's impacting it two ways. It's there's no question, you know, the cost of labor has gone up, okay? But on the overall basis, you, you talk to managers that have to deal with that every day and running their hotel or opening their restaurants and so forth. Um, they will very quickly say, one of the first things I'm doing is trying to figure out how can I get by with fewer employees. Yeah. You know, that's how I cover that incremental cost. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think that's the opposite of people raising the minimum wage want, but that's what's ended up. As a, as a practical matter, I mean, yeah. unless you can pass yeah. that incremental expense onto your customer in the form of a price increase, yeah. you're going to have to absorb it. Yeah. And, and we're just not, in most, in many markets today, you just the pricing power isn't quite strong enough to absorb that. Yeah. So we're talking with Mark Woodworth about the lodging industry moving forward. So Mark, you get a chance to, the opportunity to talk to large groups in the hospitality industry all the time. How do, do industry participants feel about the economy and the hotel industry moving forward? 
Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I guess, apostle of the obvious depends who you're talking to, where you're talking to, and is it a Friday or Monday kind of thing. But um, you know, overall, there's a sense of uh, I would, what I would characterize as being uh, optimistic about the future. Uh, that was true prior to November 8th uh, of last year, uh, and it remains true today. I was just up in D.C. earlier this week talking with some folks, and, and uh, clearly there was a huge unknown that's we now know the answer to, and that is who's going to be our next president. Right. Now the unknowns are what What's are the policies going to be and will yeah. they in fact be implemented and so forth. But if you look at, uh, I think yesterday there was a very positive report on small businesses and so forth. Uh, the level of optimism that, 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 that we're seeing out there is, 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 is very meaningful. And if history repeats itself, uh, we would expect that that optimism will in fact lend, lead to uh, um, whether it's on the consumer or the corporate side, people saying, look, I feel better about investing in travel yeah. or having a meeting yeah. or having a conference or let me send an extra salesperson to that, to that uh, event and so forth. Right. And obviously um, uh, that ultimately rolls up in, I got to rent more, rent more hotel rooms right. and spend more in restaurants and so forth. So, uh, you know, we're very cautious about it, but uh, yeah, one of the ways I'd like to answer that question, Michael, is that um, if our forecasts for 2017 aren't 100% accurate, mm -hmm. and I think we're pretty good, but we don't, we, we don't often hit it right on the nose, mm -hmm. um, it may be that we look back a year from today and say, you know, we, we kind of underestimated yeah. things, and that could be a little bit better than, than what we were thinking. Well, what's the, the quick answer to this, Mark? It seems like if you look at the stock market and, and the rally we've had there since President-elect uh, Trump uh, was announced, uh, you would think that the reduction in corporate taxes might be the easiest thing for, for him to do. And, and if you look at the, the, the stock market, then maybe people think that that's really going to happen. Do, does the hotel industry think that's going to happen, and how might that impact hotels? Um, I, I, more I, money, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's more money for consumers. Basically, yeah. it's going from government coffers into, into either corporate coffers or, or individual coffers. Yeah. Um, again, you, there's no reason to, to believe that some of that won't find its way inside the four walls of a hotel. Because yeah. um, And part of it is is that we're talking about, a, it's not a small change. It, what we're hearing about, they're considering doing, whether it's the re repatriation of funds, bringing them back home, or just again on the corporate income tax side, uh, and personal side, that that um, uh, it could could be significant amount of resources that, again, some of it's going to find its way into the lodging industry. Yeah, I mean, think about my own company. I own a small company, Bull Realty, based in Atlanta. And, and if, our corp if our taxes go down, well, we could spend more for travel. You know, we yeah. are looking at 2017 travel now, and we're trying to make a decision. So Trump, get in there, reduce it so we can all travel more. There you go. <laughs> well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the lodging industry with Mark Woodworth. And there's a lot of other things that may impact lodging industry moving forward for Stay With Us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the commercial real estate shop. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today our show is Lodging Industry 2017. We have Mark Woodworth here with us in Studio One. He's head of lodging research with CBRE Hotels. And Mark, what are some markets around the country that uh, are doing well or, or maybe not so doing well? Let's take the uh, let's take the happy ones first, I guess. <laughs> I like the that. the um, uh, uh, coastal markets in general uh, have been and are doing and will continue to do very very well. Uh, uh, San Francisco now Oakland is doing phenomenally well. Um, uh, Los Angeles, Orange County, uh, the numbers just continue to be very very attractive. Uh, you places like Miami uh, doing very very well. Uh, uh, Boston strong and so forth. Uh, really, the, the only non-coastal market that continues to do just just terrific. Uh, there's just a few, uh, San Antonio and Nashville, uh, and are just powering ahead of, of where they've ever been before. Uh, on the other side, uh, we do have uh, a number of the energy markets, uh, not surprisingly, that aren't doing so well. Uh, the poster child there would certainly be Houston, uh, where it has it's now living through the double whammy of. They have lots of new rooms that have come in and are coming in, uh, but yet on the demand side of the equation, there's been a very significant pullback because of the oil issues and energy in general being being very very soft. So there's there. Uh, Pittsburgh is a uh, is one of the weaker markets. That's a little bit of the economy. They benefit a lot from the shale fracking uh, phenomena of uh, five six years ago. Uh, and they had a lot of new supply. So again, they're, they're like Houston, they're getting it on, on, uh, on both sides. Uh, lastly, I'd be remiss to not mention New York in that um, it's interesting in, in that New York has gone through a level of new supply growth that far outstrips anything it's, we've ever seen historically in that particular market. Added to that, the level of Airbnb supply, which has come into that market over the past five years, that's significant to the point where uh, it took two or three years for the market to return to its previous peak in terms of occupancy, but room rates in real terms, forget inflation, in real terms, room rates are still 17, 18% below their previous peak in New York. Wow. So, so the, the, the economic fundamentals of that market are very, very challenged today. Do you think the increase in the Airbnb space in New York took some of those developers maybe by surprise when they were in the planning stages? Uh, yeah, I'd have to believe the answer to that is yes. Yeah. Um, uh, it just, it, 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 uh, it's a phenomenon that I think a lot of people really underestimated just just the scale that it could get to, uh, and perhaps even more importantly, the, the appeal that yeah. uh, to, to the typical consumer, that, that uh, Airbnb or again, some of these other sharing economy firms um, uh, the products that they have to uh, to offer. Yeah, what do you see for foreign? Someone says foreign investors. I'm going to talk investment properties all the time, but foreign visitors uh, coming to yeah, the, the U.S. and the impact. Sure. Yeah, what do you see there? It's, there's been a big headwind on that uh, on that source of uh, of travel, which in some markets is, has been a very important one. Uh, and for example, you take the gateway cities, you know, whether that's New York, San Francisco, L.A., Miami, particularly coming from South America. Uh, that that strong dollar has has really hurt the the level of inbound travel to the states, and that's contributed to some of the uh, weakness we've seen in, in in some of those gateway cities. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. All right, well, stay with us. We're going to have more from Mark on the lodging industry 2017. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us.
Are you in commercial real estate brokerage? Check out Apto. Created by and for commercial real estate brokers, Apto is the leading web-based platform for managing relationships, properties, listings, deals, and back office. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Commercial real estate owners defer thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of tax dollars through cost segregation. I recommend Ernst and Morris. Call 1-800-COST-SEG or visit costseg.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking lodging 2017 with Mark Woodworth. He is with Head of Lodging Research at CBRE Hotels. And whether you are running a business or you're a business person or, or you're, you're, you're running hotels, uh, one of the curiosity things with, with for us, I think, is what's going to happen with rates and occupancy down the road. And if I'm planning trips for November, which I am uh, this summer, even planning something for December already, should I, should I lock in a rate now or should I, should wait, I wait? I mean, I know you like to go on these exotic boat trips and I don't <laughs> right. have a good handle on, on that. But uh, right. if you want to take a more traditional trip, whether it's for, as you say, vacation, personal mm-hmm. reasons, or corporately, if you're planning a function for your business or attending a trade show mm-hmm. or convention or something of that nature. Um, uh, the advice now, again, I mentioned earlier that uh, you know, occupancy levels in, in most markets are at, at all-time highs. So scarcity is very much a real issue. Uh, there, there's a lot of unknowns about what's going to be happening to the economy in the near term given the change in administration, new policies, and so forth. The conventional wisdom seems to be thus far that we could see a real surge or lift in the economy in the near term, i.e. see what the stock market has done the last few months. So history tells us that that lift in economic activity does find its way into hotels, i.e. greater demand. So given that we're already at high occupancy levels, if we see a surge in, in demand, we could see a commensurate surge in pricing. So I would say if you know today that you're in a position to make a commitment downstream for a room or resort or whatever it is that you want to go to, I would, say I would be biased towards making it more sooner than later. Because yeah. if, 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 if uh, I think the likelihood is more probable that we could see stronger market conditions than what we have been uh, contemplating of late. Okay. And- one impact there, obviously, is a new supply. So do you expect new supply to, uh, what do you expect for new supply in 2017 and 18? And what types of hotels are, are being built or should be built? Yeah, um, more and more supply. Uh, this this uh, 2017, again, we're going to see on a national basis, we're going to be right at the long run average change. It'll be a little higher in 2018. Uh, so again, we, we're, overbuilding is not something we're concerned about, but again, the supply is growing. Um, uh, there are some markets uh, that, again, are, are, are softer, uh, so, so we'll see the supply growth in those begin to dissipate. But it is interesting to think about what are developers actually building. Uh, and what we've seen thus far in this cycle is if you think about the, kind of the middle of the market, uh, and in our vernacular, upscale and upper upscale hotels, think uh, you know, Hilton Garden Inns, Marriott Courtyards, that seems to be the predominant property type, you know, 150 to 200 rooms. Uh, uh, 
modestly priced, not too high, not too low, and so forth, uh, is, is we're seeing the most of. There's most, most of what people are building. What people are building, and that's yeah. for the obvious reason, that's what people want. Yeah. So, so they're delivering that product to them. Yeah. What's really different about this particular cycle, and it's something, Michael, if we go back over long-term history, you see every 30 to 40 years in lodging this happens, you do see lots of innovation, creativity, new product types coming in. So what we have seen uh, uh, a lot of and being more and more are what we think of as lifestyle or boutique hotels. That's where the beautiful people like you like to go. <laughs> you know, that um, that they're, they're not, uh, if you think about the attributes of, of yeah, like I say, a lifestyle property, uh, and benchmark those against what people have come to expect of, of a Marriott, a Hilton, a Hyatt, and so forth, where, you know, the last 30, 35 years, companies have grown their business by making sure that the customer experience from location to lo location was pretty much uniform. No, no surprises, the standards are consistent. The, the metrics now uh, are very different, where it's more of, we want to make sure that the service delivery, delivery quality is consistent from location to location, but the physical experience that you'll realize by going there could very well be very, very different. Yeah. Um, uh, and more specifically, typically you know, it's in keeping with the local environment in which the property is located. So, that, so, and whether that's the kind of restaurants, food and beverage, all the way through the types of technology that you're seeing in these newer property types, uh, it's really caught on and they've been doing very, very well. Yeah, and that's very interesting. It's like some people like to go to, to that chain where they kind of know what to expect. And, sure. And, yeah. uh, but especially millennials, I think maybe uh, they're looking for that experience. Whether it's good or bad, they want something different. Something different, right? <laughs> right. You're exactly right, yeah. Well, Mark, as the end of the show here, I'd like to ask you a tip uh, for maybe a, an investor or an operator in the hotel industry uh, as they go into 2017. Uh, it's uh, uh, there's opportunities out there. Uh, they're not going to be easy to find. Uh, I think investors are going to become, continue to be more and more attracted to lodging, to fixed assets uh, in general. Uh, uh, we didn't have time to get into it, but, but uh, to the degree that inflation starts to move towards the middle of the radar screen for people as an area of concern, uh, what we do know is historically hotels end up being a really preferred real property type simply because I have the ability to change my price every day. Every day, yeah. So to the degree that that becomes a looming concern, it doesn't seem to be right now, um, but that would be a good hedge certainly against it. So that may be a factor that we see more and more investors uh, considering. All right, so you're bullish and you think the, the market in general is bullish on investing and, uh, and lodging? Oh, I think so. I think we're going to see a move yeah. back in. And the, the public company prices have come back very nicely with, with the overall stock market rebound. So I think it's... Um, uh, in foreign capital interest in, in U.S. hotels uh, has been very pronounced the last couple of years, and no reason to think that, that won't continue. Okay. And final question for you, and I asked you this question many, many years ago. I think the first time I met you, so I want to ask you again because I love the answer then. I want to see if it changed. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if someone's coming to you and they're going to develop uh, their first hotel or buy their hotel, buy their first hotel and get into the industry, what do you tell them? How do you start the conversation? I, I tell them, um, and I, 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 if I haven't said it, I'm sure I did, but an old friend, good friend, Michael Kay, uh, used to run Omni Hotels for First Met Michael um, years ago. Michael, I've adopted his wisdom, and that is I have a moral obligation to spend at least a half hour, 45 minutes, 
to tell you why you should never do it. <laughs> right. And we still haven't convinced you after that, then let's go find a good deal. I yeah. like that. Yeah. And go find a good deal. Yeah. Mark, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being on the show. Right. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. And thanks for joining us on one of the radio stations around the country, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website. We appreciate you being with us. And be sure to connect with us on your favorite social media sites. You can find them all at CREshow.com. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Ernst & Morris, the leader in cost segregation. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Apto, your entire brokerage in the cloud and get Valuate online investment analysis. The best thank you, a referral to our sponsors. You can find them at CREshow.com.